Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Healthcare Experience Matters. I am your host, Casey Callanan. Today, we have Katie Owens of the Healthcare Experience Foundation joining us for a conversation curve talk. So before we jump into today's discussion on the conversation curve, which provides a conflict resolution model that can guide a difficult conversation to a positive resolution, Katie, can you first remind us why it is so important for providers to navigate difficult conversations carefully? So with conflict, so many of us either have this desire to run towards it or hide from it. It's typically not something that's taught in any medical school, professional school, graduate school program. It's usually something that we learn as leaders through experience, through mistakes, through observation, through who we see as mentors. And that leads to a lot of variability. I'm pretty sure all of us in healthcare have recognized times where we felt like we dealt with conflict well and times where we haven't. And we know the risks of avoiding conflict. It can result in poor decision-making, failing to build trust or built up resentment, absence of commitment and teamwork. And then you get buried conflict. We've probably all seen the meetings after the meetings and I bet everybody listening could add to this list pretty extensively. Katie, I know this is kind of a general question, but why is conflict so hard? Why, as humans, are we always looking to avoid it? So there's this really great quote by Andrew Johnston. I want to read it for you. Conflict is either the culprit behind lousy relationships, lackluster performance, and low satisfaction, or it's the prerequisite for great relationships, exceptional performance, and personal fulfillment. The difference is how you handle it. And I really think about just in my own life, the most successful relationships are the ones where we've weathered conflict. Trust is the foundation of all relationships. And it's also that model of, or that metaphor, it's the same water that's going to harden the egg that will soften the potato. Katie, I love that metaphor, but I just want you to elaborate a little bit more on it. What does that exactly mean? Sounds good, but I I don't know if I completely followed it. Sure. So so in any given conflict, we all bring our own perspectives and personal experiences to the table. We're all going to have different reactions when we're in a meeting that might have an overbearing or a dominant participant. We may wonder what a reluctant participant has to say about it. And so the difference in how we handle it is, are we going to handle it in a way that's a conversation among allies, or are we going to turn this into a win-lose situation? Conflict is either going to be that opportunity to build more trusting relationships, or it's going to reinforce factions and silos. And the difference is going to be how we handle it. Are we going to harden the egg? Are we going to soften the potato? Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Now let's take it back to the actual conversation curve. Can you describe the steps in the conversation curve? Sure. So the conversation curve was meant to address all of the variability that we see with conflict. In particular, in healthcare, when we have an unhealthy approach to conflict, 
at the end of the day, it's the patient and the family that suffers because when teams don't work together, that has a cascading effect that impacts patient care across the entire continuum of care. Whether you're a clinician or a professional, we all play a role. And so the conversation curve is built around five steps. The first is really being able to frame the conversation by naming the challenge. If as a leader or as an individual, we're not able to clearly articulate the challenge or the conflict that needs to be resolved in your own mind, it's going to be really hard to begin the process of understanding experiences openly and and figuring out what we're trying to solve here. So the second step is really acknowledging the past. And the foundation of every productive conversation is acknowledging that both parties come to that conversation with their own reality based on unique perceptions and experiences. So it's really honoring, this is my view of the conflict. At the end of the day, this is going to be a dance between us that I've got to kind of anticipate what might be your perceptions of the conflict. And you always want to speak to the challenge and listen to the person And then sensing the present, this is really the activation of the conversation, being able to name the challenge in present tense, some great simple tools or using it with their using senses. So being able to describe the conflict with senses. So I feel disappointed or I see some discrepancies in this or that. I think I feel and here are the consequences that it's creating you've got to be able to to explain how this challenge or conflict is affecting you, your team or patient care. And then putting it back, this is a participation, this is a dance. Help me understand to be able to honor and acknowledge that that party is going to bring together, bring to the forefront their perception. So the goal is mutual understanding here. And then realizing the future. This is co-creating a solution. So you've got to be clear here are the things that I want to see. Here are the actions I'm going to take. The goal is shared agreement that leads to success. And this is going to require partnership. Successful conflict resolution is not a one-way street. It involves negotiation and influence. And then the last step is having a solution. The solution requires agreement. As leaders, we've got to be really wary of false commitment. And you know what false commitment is going to be is if you've had a conversation multiple times with an individual and you're still back to square one. And so really validating that this is the solution we're agreeing to. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about sharing the solution. Are you excited about it? Are you confident? Are you optimistic or skeptical And how are you going to assess progress and figure out if you're off track? And so those simple steps in the workshops and and training that we do really helps kind of break it down. And then we personalize the learning to some specific scenarios that leaders have to deal with. And how does the conversation curb help us identify the perspectives of those that are involved in a difficult conversation? Let me share an example with you. We were just doing a workshop and one of the leaders shared an example of how they applied the conversation curve. And she had an individual on her team who was consistently tardy. And in this two-way conversation, she shared, I'm seeing a pattern where you are consistently late for work. This is jeopardizing our team because it's causing a challenge with us being able to cover the shift. 
Can you help me understand what's happening? This thing gave that employee the acknowledgement that your voice is important. And what this employee shared is that she's incredibly overwhelmed with her current family situation. She's having a hard time balancing, getting her children to school, getting to work on time. One of her parents is ill. And so instead of this becoming a punitive conversation, it became a supportive conversation between the leader and that employee. And that employee did not feel like they were in trouble, but they felt like that they were able to lean into their supervisor and talk about it and build a a realistic plan. Do you have advice on how one can best go about keeping their emotions in check during a difficult conversation? Sure. And I'll be the first person to raise my hand. This is something I am constantly working on in my own life, in my work life. At the heart of this is emotional intelligence and regulating, being aware of and regulating our emotions. It's really easy in conflict to feel defensive, to feel attacked, and you've got to buy yourself time. And so when you notice yourself feeling stressed or anxious, or you can feel your palms a little sweaty, Here's some things that we would recommend. Ask questions to uncover. If you're hearing a lot of absolutes, you always, you never. Hey, Casey, can you give me some examples of that? Avoiding making accusations. Those can be perceived as harsh and punitive. When you feel like you're not sure how to respond or you're stunned, buy yourself time. Silence is okay. In fact, silence can be powerful. Write things down, paraphrase. So what I'm hearing you say is this. Let me confirm my understanding. That self-awareness and being an owner of your tone of voice and body language is really important. 93% of how we communicate is tone of voice and body language. And we've got to be aware, do I have an angry resting face? Do I look supportive? Finding ways to mirror and build trust, but never matching aggression is really important. I know there is a lot in the conversation curve regarding setting goals. And so how do we avoid win-loss scenarios by setting reasonable goals? Do you have any thoughts on that? Setting goals, even small ones, are really important. Goals and milestones are a way for you to feel confident that you're seeing resolution. And so... Take notes because you may remember things differently a week later, a month later, and making sure that you do the follow-up. You know, I think as a leader, sometimes it's easy to have the hard conversation and feel like, oh, that's over, that's done. I don't need to revisit it. And the reality is most times when we look back at unsuccessful conflict resolution, we should have circled back. That trust that validates really important to those goals. Do you have any other examples you want to share with us that might help illustrate that point a little further, Katie? One really recent example was some work we were doing uh, with some physicians and advanced practice providers. Oftentimes, those individuals can be in a tough spot. They can get feedback from patients about experiences or disappointments that may be out of their direct control. And one example was a a team member who had just gotten a complaint about um, a a member of the staff in a physician's office. And they felt like every time they shared this feedback, nothing was changing. 
And so as this conversation unfolded in this work group, one of the things that this individual realized is that they were hearing a lot more negative feedback than positive feedback. And I think as as leaders, as physicians, as clinicians, we are super hard-coded to focus on the negative. And when all staff hear from us are the negative, we lose the opportunity where people trust us and see that we believe in them. And so I'd say of that example, the big learning was to really double down and reinforce the positive so that people will understand when you have something critical to say or or, um, constructive to say that they have that trust in you and they're going to take that more seriously. So in what other ways does the conversation curve provide a path to break down barriers and teach the value of that true two-way communication in difficult situations? None of us really were developed in competencies relative to conflict management. Teamwork is the number one driver of patient perceptions of their care. Patients want to know that the staff and the physicians and the nurses work together. And at the root of why teams tend to be successful or unsuccessful is their ability to have team norms and weather conflict. And the conversation curve is really meant to create a universal strategy that ultimately respects each person in conflict, yet makes certain that we can drive towards a solution. We can see change happen. Katie, I want to go back to some advice about difficult conversations. Do you have anything else you want to share about preparing for a difficult conversation? 90% of successful conflict resolution is preparation and trust. So when I mentioned earlier that the first step of the conversation curve is being able to identify the challenge, that's really important because you've got to frame this conversation to get meaningful results. If you're not clear on what you want to see changed, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to negotiate and influence that change in somebody else. And many times we may also have to own an apology because when we take this approach, we're we're that conversation among allies, chances are you may find times where you could have been more clear or you could have done a better job communicating or there's something else that that person is bringing to the table that you might've had a blind spot about, and it's okay to apologize. It's highly recommended actually. That is great stuff, Katie. Thank you so much for today's conversation. I just want to remind listeners that there is a course now available on hxacademy.org regarding the conversation curve. So to learn more, you can visit hxacademy.org. Thanks again, Katie. My pleasure. Hope this leaves everyone with some tips to deal with something that's that's not easy and it's unique day to day, how we deal with conflict. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. And for one final word on the conversation curve, I want to introduce one more time Healthcare Experience co-founder and president, Katie Owens. Who really likes conflict? In training sessions, when asking this question, the majority of healthcare leaders, employees, and physicians will tell you that they avoid conflict or find it very uncomfortable. Yet what is at stake when that happens? To leave conflicts unresolved can have a ripple effect throughout departments and beyond. 
The risk of avoidance can lead to poor decision-making, a failure to build trust, a lack of commitment and teamwork, and a lack of transparency. What thoughts come to mind when you think about having to face a conflict situation? Many employees are not equipped to handle conflict with a positive outcome, so they avoid it or struggle to handle it. The conversation curve is an easy to understand tool that will help you begin to handle conflict in a step-by-step -step process. Let's review so we can help you be better prepared to help when conflicts come up. The conversation curve is a conflict resolution model that can guide a difficult conversation to a positive solution. This tool provides a path to break down barriers and teaches the value of two-way communication in hard situations. When conflict arises, and it will, these steps will position you for success. Let's run through each. First, identify and name the challenge. If you are not able to clearly name the issue, it will be difficult for you to own the conversation. Second, acknowledge the past. Each party in a conflict brings their own perspective to the table. Third, sense the present. It is our responsibility to describe the issue and the impact it is having on the team, patient care, and outcomes. We will look at speaking to the challenge and listening to the person. Fourth, realize the future. This step gives you the opportunity to share your needs and expectations, as well as the actions you will be taking. Lastly, coming to solution requires shared ownership on your part and theirs. We will look at helping you overcome barriers to success. The next time you are faced with a tough conversation, you can better position yourself by preparation and applying the conversation curve to manage conflict in a way that grows understanding and relationships. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.